Hey there, and welcome back to the Mini Weekend. I'm your host, Jax. Let's crack a beer and get the ball rolling. So, um, all of you listeners this fantastic week, you did hear correctly for one of the first time, or I think it might actually be the actual first time, um, we've cracked open a beer um, that was... I don't even know how to count a bottle top. <laughs> Had to take it off. It wasn't a twist off. But it is um, from Starry Eyed Brewing Co. up in, excuse me, Little Falls, Minnesota. And we're drinking the um, Blonde SEB is what they call it. Um, so, yeah. Um, Got to give a special... Shout out to my father-in-law who actually um, grabbed this uh, beer and uh, sent it my way. So, Rick, if you're listening, this uh, this one's for you. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, sir, S-E-B Blonde. I like it. I like it. It's it's a relatively light American Blondale, obviously. Um on their website, it says our version has a little bit, little more potty than your average blonde on the market due to an addition of light crystal malt. Uh, it says this beer is malt focused with flavors of cereal, bread, and crackers, with just enough centennial hop to add a touch of lemony zest. Our blonde is the beer for those who like light flavored session. Lower in alcohol beer. It's only a 4.5 APB, which typically means you could drink a couple more of these if you really wanted to. <laughs> but like I said, I like it. You know, it was it was weird for me reading that they kind of have a lemony zest in it because I didn't taste it. But the more sips I taste, I kind of get it in kind of like a very aftertaste. But like I read off, it, it's very light. Um... I do like this. Um, this is something I would definitely go back for. But before we get more into that, Starry Eyed Brewing Company, like I mentioned, is located in um, Little Falls, uh, Minnesota. It's actually just a little north of what you would consider downtown. Excuse me, uh, Little Falls. It's right off of 11th Street Northeast. Um, kind of right positioned there in the corner between uh, Highway 10 up there and 371. Um, and I got to say, you know, looking into this a little bit before we got on here, their website is pretty simple and pretty straightforward. Um, one of the more simpler websites I've, I've seen, um, not even in the last couple weeks of doing this stuff, but just like in general, um, it seems like they do a lot with uh, food trucks and things like that, but obviously due to winter, not much of that going on. Um, but um, I would definitely say some of the pictures I've seen, um, very, very northerny uh, feel to it. Um, really nice outside, so I imagine it's it's a place to be uh, in the summer up there. Uh, very spacious. Uh, they have games and things like that. It looks like it's kind of like 
in something of a barn. So whether, you know, it's nice out or crappy out like it is now in the winter, um, looks like there's definitely more than enough space for people to be able to go, you know, play some games, have some fun and, um, excuse me, things like that. But yes, like I said, uh, website, uh, you should definitely go check it out. Starry, S-T-A-R-R-Y, I'd Brewing, excuse me, dot com. And like I said, very, very simple. Um, they have their uh, contact information at the bottom. Um, you can see all of their mainstay uh, breweries. Uh, they have one seasonal and um, they actually have um, their, uh, they rotate, it looks like about 10 hard, sense, hard seltzers and ciders as well. Um, but yeah, uh, very, very self-explanatory. Um, I would say I like it. It's more style of the beer that I like, but Rick, I I really like this one. Um, probably more than that specialty beer we watched. Uh, we had when we were watching uh, the Vikings beat the Packers. Um, but I like this. I would definitely go out of my way to get this again. Uh, I gotta find out where they sell them or where my father in law got them and get some more of these. Um. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eight six. It's like I said, it's a lighter beer. It's not your typical light beer. It's you know, it's got a little flavor to it. It's not super flavorful to where you can only have one or two. Um, but I really do like this. I would, like I said, I'd get it more. So yeah, go check it out. Um, for my northern listeners uh, that don't know about Starad Brewing. Like I said, just north of uh, downtown Little Falls, uh, right off of 11th Street Northeast. Um, their hours are Sunday through Wednesday, noon to 9 p.m., and then Thursdays through Saturdays, noon to 11 p.m. So go check them out. Um, and you can also find them on Facebook and Facebook and uh, Instagram as well so yes go check them out so with that um on to college talk so i know we're kind of in the thick of things with regards to hockey and basketball right now but did want to give a couple quick shout outs to fall sports so it was just announced um this last sunday that uh the minnesota golden gophers uh, has accepted an invitation to compete in what's called the Guaranteed Rose Bowl on December 28th, 2021 in Phoenix, Arizona. The Gophers, who went 8-4 and four in the regular season and 6-3 and three in the Big Ten, will face off against West Virginia from the Big 12. And this will be the first ever meeting between the Gophers and Mountaineers. West Virginia finished the season with a 6-6 six and six record and was 4-5 and five in conference play. Um, the guaranteed right bowl is actually the 22nd bowl game all time for the Gophers and will be the third bowl game for the Gophers under the tutelage of head coach PJ Fleck. Uh, the Gophers defeated Auburn back in the 2020 Outback Bowl and Georgia Tech back in 2018 Quick Lane Bowl under his leadership. So PJ will look to go a perfect 3-0 and in, um, Rose or not Rose Bowls in uh bowl games. Uh it's also worth noting the Gophers are 31, 15, and 1 all time against teams from the Big 12. 
and they last faced a Big 12 opponent in 2015 when they hosted TCU. Uh, their most recent um, Big 12 opponent in a bowl game was back in 2012 when they played the Texas Tech Red Raiders in the 2012 Menke Car Care Bowl. So congratulations to them. Um, you know, it's, I think it was, everybody kind of had a feeling that we were going to get um, something of a uh, bowl game, just wasn't sure what it was going to be, but congratulations to them. Um, I, yeah, I you know plan on watching that game and hopefully uh, they can get another uh, W to add to the um, to the case. Uh, as for them, it is now NCAA tournament time for Division One. Um, excuse me, Division One volleyball. So the Gophers are now um, in the sweet. 16 and will be taking on the number five Baylor Bears um, tomorrow afternoon at 2 p.m. on December 9th. Uh, the Gophers played South Dakota, the actually the winner of the um, of the Summit League, which the Tommies were from. They beat them in the first round three sets to nothing. Then they played Stanford in the second round um and beat them 3 to nothing as well so they will look to beat Baylor to uh go back to the quarterfinals um this season so congratulations to them um if they do beat Baylor tomorrow um their quarterfinal matchup would be this Saturday and then if they were to win that um I think the semifinals are sometime earlier next week so if you're interested in that we will keep you updated on that so congratulations to them and with that um the men or the university of st thomas volleyball's team um first division one season is now in the books they finished with an overall record of three and 25 so pretty uh you know it's 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 gonna be hard for them to get worse and it'll be you know it's it stinks because you obviously never want to lose this amount of games, but it's it's not going to be hard for them to be able to you know gradually improve. Um, two of their three wins happen to be in conference um, games, um, and I thought we'd just kind of go over some stats. I don't you know think we went over that. So, um, uh, excuse me. Um, Lauren Galvin actually led the way for the Tommies with three hundred and thirteen kills. Um, this season uh grace anatipa led the tommies with 487 aces i no that can't be right um but yeah it it looks like you know it was a full team effort i mean i look amongst uh this uh they had you know four goal four girls that accounted for over 135 points. Um, like I mentioned earlier when we were talking about this team, they're just a very young team. They had nine freshmen on this team. So the more games these girls get under their belt, it will be nothing but great things. Um, unfortunately for them uh, in the Summit League, I don't know if all divisions are this way, but um, for the Summit League, only the top six um, teams actually play in the uh, Summit League Volleyball Championship for an automatic bid to the 
to the um, big dance. And unfortunately for St. Thomas, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, the good news is they were ninth. So the University of North Dakota fighting, excuse me, Hawks finished worse than them. So that's a good sign. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, like I mentioned, you know, it, you know, it obviously stinks that they, you know, kind of got out of the gate a little, you know, not great, but hey, you know, like I said, more than anything, it's, you know, it's our first season in Division One. Um, sports. I remember talking, I think, with Ben, and we've had a couple other people on here that I remember talking with saying, you know, I think certain teams will find some early success and continue to build on that. And there are going to be some teams um, like our next team we're going to talk about, the men's hockey team, that find little success in their first year, but, you know, just kind of move on from that. So um, onward and upward for this team, Roll Toms. Um, can't wait to see them uh, get better. So with that, like I mentioned, the men's hockey team is still seeking their second win of the season. Um, they are currently riding a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 game losing streak. Um, and just haven't had much success lately. Um, this last weekend, they got swept by Bemidji State. And the weekend before that, they got swept by Penn State. Uh, you know, they're not getting blown out. Um, you know, Penn State, you know, lost one to five, um, one to four, Bemidji State two to five, one to six. You know, it's it's nothing like that first game against St. Cloud State. Some of these games are, you know, hanging with them. You know, um one of the the other game against Ferris State that they didn't win, they lost in overtime. So I mean um, you know, like I said, unfortunately they're another one of those teams similar to the volleyball team that isn't finding very much success right out of the gate, but you know, it'll, it'll come in time and, um, you know, you just kind of got to get your footing and kind of, you know, understand, um, what you got, uh, next, uh, this upcoming weekend, they will be in Michigan, uh, taking on the Michigan tech, uh, Huskies, um, on Friday, December 10th at 607 and then 507 on the 11th. Um, as for the women's team, you know, they're not doing a ton better, but they are doing a little bit better. Uh, they're currently 4-11-1 uh, on the season um, this last week. Very similar. This last week, they beat, or they got swept by a very good Minnesota uh, State Mankato team, 1-3 and 3-0. Uh, so, again, at least they're not getting, you know, blown out. Um you know, they're playing some good teams. You know, they swept RTI, who earlier this season, who used to be a formidable, formidable team. But they're also playing some very, very, very good teams. You look at University of Wisconsin. They played them twice. They're currently number one in the nation. They played Ohio State already, who's currently number two in the nation. Uh, they played uh, UMD, who's eighth in the nation. Um, excuse me. And um, they have... Dates with the U of M, who's fourth in the nation right now. And, you know, I mean, it's it's like the saying, the only way to get better is to beat you know, or, you know, play better teams. You know, whether you win or lose to them, you kind of take and adapt what you kind of came up against in those teams. So, um, once again, you know, kind of the mantra for this uh, St. Thomas, um, you know, 
programs as they kind of try to establish up in D1 is, you know, onward and upward. I mean, you can't get, you know, you can't go much farther down than they already are, you know, no offense taken. Uh, for the ladies, they um, they are actually going to be in St. Charles, Missouri this weekend on Friday and Saturday, 7 p.m., on Friday, 2.20 p.m. on Saturday, and they will be taking on uh, the Lindenwood University uh, team. So good luck to them. Um, as for the basketball teams, um, still super early in their season. Um, I don't believe either men or women's teams have played a single um a single a conference game yet, but the men are, you know, hanging steady. Um, they're four and five. Um, they haven't lost more than, you know, two games in a row, and they've actually won two games in a row against Niagara and Southern Illinois Edwardsville um, late in November. Um, most recently, um, they lost, or they beat Crown College by 20 back on the second, and then they were at Drake, who Drake... I don't know if they still are, but they used to be a very, very, very good basketball team uh, religiously in the um, NCAA March Madness tournament. Um, but we lost to them by 10 on Sunday. Um, and you got some guys that are um, just shooting uh, shooting the ball really, really well. Um, you know, I look at... Excuse me, um, you know, Parker Bjorklund's shooting, um, you know, over uh, 62% from the field. Uh, Ryan Lindbergh's shooting 55% from the field. And then there's, you know, and then we got four guys that are shooting over, you know, 42% from the field, which, you know, doesn't sound great. But when you think about it in this context in the NBA, you're doing great if you're shooting in the 40s. <sighs> Excuse me, if you're shooting in the 40s, 50s percent, I think a lot of guys shoot kind of high 30s, low 40s. So, I mean, we're they're you know, they're holding their own. Like I said, you know, I think with basketball, a lot of it hinges on um, how well you do against conference opponents. But, you know, so far they're holding their own. And, you know, I don't know much about these teams that are in their conference. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they can do, but at least they're holding their own. Um, excuse me, they're holding their own, uh, right now, um, outside of conference games. So for the men's basketball team, they'll be in action when they'll be in action. What's this? Or no, sorry, looking at the wrong thing. They'll be in action one, two, two times, um, until our next podcast on Saturday at 7 PM, they will be hosting, um, in St. Paul, Montana State University at 7 p.m. And then on Tuesday at 7 p.m., they'll be hosting Northland College. So good luck to them. Um, the Lady Tommies haven't done as well. Uh, they're coming off of uh, a five-point win over Chicago State University this last Saturday. But they're currently sitting at two and six. Um, but again, uh, you know, you got to work out uh, some of their kinks. I think... I think um, women's basketball, and not in a bad way, is very top-heavy. You have a lot of teams who are very, 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 very good. And then there's just 
everybody else. And I look at there, and they've already played um, University of Wisconsin Badgers, Illinois State, who I know has a good reputation of being you know, a pretty solid state. South Carolina State University is pretty good. Um, and University of Northern Iowa. Um, you know, so those were four games right there that I kind of figured, okay, you know, probably aren't going to be great for them. But hey, again, you know, they're playing those tougher teams, getting themselves acclimated to this D1 uh, setting and, you know, can only hope for good things from there. So for the Lady Tommies, they will be in action twice this next uh, week. Um, as well, they will be hosting Idaho State University on Saturday the 11th at 1 p.m. And then they will be also um, hosting Northland College at 7 p.m. on December 15th. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we have for the College Corner this week. So this week for the local uh, business Shout out, we actually had another fan reach out, uh, giving some love to one of their um, favorite places to eat. So, uh, Chloe recommended the Hen House Eatery. So, uh, it's in Minneapolis. It's an upbeat uh, breakfast and lunch cafe with a bar. They offer classic locally sourced breakfast and lunch plus happy hour tapas and wine. Like I said, it is in fact downtown Minneapolis. It's on um, 8th Street, right on the corner of 8th and um, what's that? 2nd Avenue. So right across the street from the Minneapolis Club and um, also kind of kitty corner from 8th Street Grill. So definitely go check them out. Uh, looking at their um, uh, menus here. I, I definitely have this on my list of place to go with uh, Cassie. Definitely they have a bunch of really cool looking uh, drinks. Um, they say they believe in all day breakfasts, roots, goodness, family, love, hard work, fun, honesty, and urban farm girls. It's actually kind of kind of cute. Uh, if you go on their website, it's just uh, henhouseeatery.com. Uh, they actually have like their own merch and kind of stuff, which is kind of Cool, so you can uh, purchase uh, home goods, and then they have uh, clothing and accessories and stuff like that, which is which is a uh, pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, but like I said, uh, Chloe did mention um, this place will not uh, disappoint. You can call and uh, make a reservation for um, holiday gatherings um, at uh, their. On their website here, you can do a delivery or pickup. Um, you can even, like I mentioned, you know, going through their uh, <laughs> their menu right now. I'm I'm salivating uh, wanting uh, some of this food too. So definitely go uh, check them out. Um, like I mentioned, excuse me. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, their website is henhouseeatery.com. Uh, you can actually uh, you can also find them on Facebook. Instagram and Twitter, um, and their operating hours are weekdays 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. and weekends 7:30 a.m. to 2 p.m. So go check them out. So tonight, the first professional sport I uh, actually want to talk about are the Minnesota Timberwolves. So despite um, currently being on a three-game uh, losing streak uh, and only winning two of our last uh, five 
they've looked like a pretty good team. Um, for those that want to jump all over this current three-game skid, um, Brooklyn is a very good team. Um, even on an off night, they're tough to beat. Um, you know, Washington has some good players. Um, even Atlanta. Atlanta is, a, is very much a team like us. And again, this isn't me trying to give them excuses. I'm just saying we need to look at things in perspective. We're currently 11 and 13. Excuse me, uh, 11 and 13. I want to say last year we won, what was that? We lost 23 games, 23 games. And right now, I'm I'm actually looking at it right now, we have a winning percentage of 440, which all things considered isn't great, but that's so far, our, this is the best winning percentage of the season we're to magically end today for some reason. That's the best winning percentage we've had since the 17 18 um, season. Again, not saying it's something we definitely need to hold our hats on. I'm just saying we need to look, take, look at things in context. Context. Last year, I believe... I believe we were the second or the worst team in the league. And right now, you look at the standings, we're ninth or 10th in the Western Conference. So, like I said, do we do we have the talent and do we have the ability to be the number six team in the Western Conference? Absolutely. Does that mean we're going to go straight from a lottery team to being a six team? Not necessarily. So, all of those people that are like, gosh, you know, this team has so much talent. We got to be, you know, that five or six team. I would urge you, again, this Western Conference is very top-heavy. Golden State has come out looking just as good as anybody. Um, the Phoenix Suns are, you know, a force. I mean, I think I remember talking about it. I think I remember talking about it earlier this year. They're not playing great, but you think about the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix Suns, uh, the LA Clippers, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, Utah Jazz, um, and maybe even... I mean, they're not playing. I mean, but even those five teams, all those five teams deserve to make, not only make the playoffs, but host one or host their first round series. And only four of those five teams are able to do that. So we're very top heavy. So I personally think as much as I'd love to see them in that sixth seed, I think from here on out, the season is still so young where we're what 11 and 13 that's 24 games into the season. So we're just over a fourth of the way there. I think throughout the season, if we can stay, you know, between 7 and 10, you know, even if we dip out of 10th, but we're, you know, within a game or two of that 10th seed, I think as long as we can kind of stay in that area, that's where we need to be. You know, again, you look at the NBA and unless you make, unless you have a super team, I guess, if you will, with established veteran players, Anthony Edwards is great, but we we need to remember he's still very young. You know, I yeah, you could make the argument, you know, even Jade McDaniels too, you could make the argument, I was gonna say, Carl Anthony Towns and um Russell, uh D'Angelo Russell are more veterans, but they haven't, you know, they're they haven't been in the playoffs much with this team before. Um, so it's tougher for them. And again, this isn't me trying to give this team a bunch of passes. I, I've been watching more of their games lately. Um, they're playing better defense. They're not getting blown out every single game. I would say the one thing they need to do a better job at is closing out games. One game that, um, it was a long time ago. It was at the beginning of November, but one of the games I remember watching, 
the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, we were in Memphis, and we ended up losing 125-118 to in overtime. And I believe with about two and a half minutes to go, we were up six or seven points. We unfortunately let them tie and then lose in overtime. <clears throat> so that's one of the things I would urge this Minnesota Timberwolves team to do. We got to do a better job closing out games and keeping teams at bay that we should be winning. Now, teams like in Atlanta, teams like in Washington, should we technically be beating those teams? Yes, of course. I don't think anybody expected us to beat teams like Philly or Miami or even the Lakers or even Milwaukee. And those are four good teams we've already um, beat this year. And again, I would say, you know, there are probably a lot of people out there saying, hey, it's still super early, you know. Can we maintain that? Yeah, we definitely can. You know, I look at our next stretch, Utah, that's a game we should and can win. Cleveland, beatable. Portland, beatable. Denver's not playing great. LA's kind of on a stretch now. So, I mean, you look at, I look at some of these, you know, four or five game stretches, and there's no reason we can't, you know, rattle off, you know, four or five game winning streaks, you know, two or three more times a season. And you think about, you know, three more streaks of, uh, you know, three more streaks of four games. I mean, that's 12. That's 23 wins right there. Now, is that going to be good enough? No, but I mean, a lot of basketball left to be played and a lot of good things to like from this team. So, um, yes, going forward tonight, they will actually be playing the Utah Jazz. And then uh, Friday the 10th, they'll be hosting the Cleveland <coughs> Cavaliers at 7 before hitting the road for a quick two-game road trip. On Sunday the 12th, they'll be in Portland for a date with the Trailblazers at 8 p.m. And then um, on Wednesday, they will be in Denver at 8 p.m. too. And that will round out their schedule between now and the next podcast. So, like I said, low and short of it, a lot of good things to like from this team. But a lot of improvements that can be made. And if those improvements are made, there's no reason we can't be a number six seed in the Western Conference, so we're just gonna have to wait and see. Now on to uh, the Minnesota Wild, and man, is this team uh, fun to watch? Uh, this last week, since the last podcast, they were a perfect three and O. They are currently riding a seven-game winning streak. Um, I forgot to look it up, but it it is one of the. Um, I don't believe it's the longest winning streak in the NHL right now, but definitely one of them, um, and gosh, I, you know, I sometimes struggle because, you know, talking with, you know, Dan, uh, last week, um, you know, it's definitely one of those cases where as, as much as I'd love to see this team, you know, be the champions of the uh, regular season and then go win a Stanley Cup, um, you know, you just don't see it happen very often, but you definitely like to see this success, um, and rattling off these games and getting that um, lead, excuse me, uh, in the standings. Uh, we currently have a seven-point um, cushion atop the, excuse me, uh, atop the Central Division. Um, in the conference, I'm pretty sure we are the best team uh, in the league, or in the conference. And then in the league, there's, I only think, four... You have four Eastern Conference teams that are doing um, 
better than us. And to top it off, I think we're tied with uh, Maple Leafs right now for the most wins in the league. So, like I said, so much, so much to like about this Minnesota team. It's um, you know, it's actually nice that this team is doing so well, especially with how crappy the Vikings have been. I've I've seen a handful of memes of that. Uh, uh, especially of that one guy that, you know, is kind of holding hands with that one girl and kind of looks back at that other girl. And the one he's holding hands with is the Vikings, obviously. And uh, the one he's looking at is obviously the Wild. But, I mean, you love to see it too. And it's hard not to like this team, uh, especially when you are getting um, scoring just up and down, up and down the roster. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov right now is quietly tied for fifth in the league with 30 points. Uh, Ryan Hartman is tied for, um, I think it's like fifth or sixth, uh, with his team leading 13 goals. Marcus Foligno is not far behind him with, uh, 11 goals. Uh, three of those coming on the power play and Joel Erickson Eck has 10. Half of his goals are coming on the power play too. So, I mean, like I said, when, when you have so many things going for you, it's hard, um, it's hard not to like the team and uh, watch them. They're obviously playing great hockey right now. Um, we're averaging a league third best goals per game with 3.72. Um, um, you know, I know it was only a week uh, since we've last talked about it, but we're still kind of holding steady in the middle of the pack. Uh, 2.84 goals against so again not terrible but when our offense is you know able to click on all cylinders like it has been it's um you know unfortunately we can afford to you know let a uh, a uh, a goal in here or there knowing that we're more than likely gonna you know score three to five goals um Goals a game here. Um, you know, still got still got some work to do. The power play. Um, I don't believe this last week you got a ton of opportunities, but still kind of in the bottom third of the league uh, in power play. But um, I mean, yeah, like I said, a uh, lot lots to like about this team. Um, we like I said, Kirill has his thirty points. Ryan Hartman's got twenty one. Zuccarello's got twenty. Felino and Eck each have seventeen. I mean, I even look at some of these young guys. I look at, you know, Bukestad's got three points. Jordy Ben's got two points. Nico Sturm's got nine points. Rem Pitlick has five. I mean, it's just huge. You even look at Dmitry Kulikov, uh, who scored the other night against the Oilers. He's got 12 points himself, too. So, like I said, when you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, when you got 12 players that have double digit points, um, you know, 25 games into it, uh, it's fun, you know, and again, like we talked with Dan, it definitely takes the pressure off of our stars to um, produce every single night, and especially when you have that, um, sometimes, you know, your stars don't even need uh, need to get involved. I think in that Edmonton game, I think, um, I believe uh, uh, Kapritstav only had yeah he only had one assist um you know Joel Erickson had a goal and an assist and Fiala didn't even have any points too so I mean it's it's just it's awesome and it's great to see like I said lots to uh lots to like here and the even better part about this wild, wild team that I liked this last week is you know playing these good teams uh you know we played the Oilers who right now are I mean, you look at the um, 
um, you look at uh, the NHL uh, standings, and the Edmonton Oilers are right behind us with 3.54 games, and when they have star power, when you go up against a team that has the likes of Leon Dreisaitl and... Um, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, it's awesome to be able to hold them to one goal with that goal not even coming from either of those two guys, which is just, um, it's just huge. And and it's awesome to see us winning some of these games. I mean, you know, back-to-back we beat teams Toronto and um, Edmonton. And I think you look at Toronto's uh, currently, um, yeah, we're tied with them. They currently have one more point than... Uh, than the wild, but it's it's awesome because they're beating the teams they should be beating, and they're also beating teams that are probably a little better than them, which is which is awesome, and it's great to see because you're you know we're not really seeing that from our Minnesota Vikings, um, but that's neither here nor, uh, nor there. You know, like I said, currently riding a seven game winning streak, so a lot of uh, a lot to like about this team. Um, until next time. The, excuse me, um, depending on when you look at it, the Wild will be in action four or five times. So uh, tomorrow night they will be in San Jose for a 9.30 game with the Sharks. Uh, on Saturday they'll be in L.A. Uh, 9.30 again against the uh, against the Kings. And then they'll turn around um, and have it back-to-back. On Sunday, they'll be in Vegas for an 8 o'clock game against the Golden Knights before coming home um, and hosting the Carolina Hurricanes on the 14th. And then depending on when we do the podcast, uh, Thursday the 16th, uh, they will be hosting Buffalo at 7 p.m. too. So like I said, uh, you know, Kakinen and both Talbot are, you know, winning games for us. They're, um, you know, I'm looking, you know, our, our seven-game winning streak We've only allowed one or two goals. Um, you know, I look back. You got to go back to. You got to go back to those Florida and Tampa Bay games when the last time we let in more than two goals, and then, I mean, crap. Like you look at those two. There's only one other time in, um, or a couple other times in early November that we let in four goals. So. Goaltending, you know, I was very, I was very critical of Cam Talbot this last week and even before, but you know he's holding his own and he's, uh, he's doing, um, he's doing his thing. So, um, you know, I can't, you know, you got to give credit when credit's due, and I definitely will give him credit here. He's been playing very well and keeping us in games, and um, love, uh, love to see it. So, with that, uh, I suppose. It is time to talk a little, um, excuse me, a little football. So, um, once again, those that listen, uh, quite frankly, we're not going to dive too much into it because it's just a rabbit hole. Nobody wants uh, me to ramble on about for, you know, 30, 40 minutes, Um, but simply an atrocious, atrocious game against the Detroit Lions. Um, Personally... Um, Mike Zimmer should no longer be our coach right now. Um, and if you ask me, I was talking to my uh, brother-in-law this last week. As far as I'm concerned, um, the Will family needs to take a page out of Bill Guerin's book. And what I mean by that is this last season, um, Bill Guerin had a vision. He said, hey, I want us to get younger. 
And they're like, okay, great. You know, what do you want to do? How are we going to do that? And he said, it's an unpopular, and he probably said something along the lines of this. It's an unpopular opinion, but we're going to cut both Zach Parisi and, um, and Ryan Suter. Now, at the time, I think, you, you know, a lot of people could make that case for cutting Ryan, or um, not Ryan, um, Zach Breezy, because we had one just like that, just like this year, we had so much depth at that forward spot, and there were a lot of questions with regards to hey, you know, he's a veteran, you know, he's still got some left in the tank, but we have so many guys, he wants to play him, so that made sense. Uh, but even Suter, I think the buyout of Suter was just as much of a surprise to a lot of people as it was to Suter himself, but he made an unpopular decision. And look at where it's gotten him. We are, like I said, seven-point cushion first place in the division, um, atop the Western Conference, and one of the best teams in the league. And so going back to my point about the Will family, this, um, this Minnesota organization is ran to Minnesota nicely. They need to make an unpopular decision because it's, it's frustrating if, if any other team was... Uh, and it pains me to say this, but it's it's the reality. If any other team was playing as lackluster and as back and forth as this Minnesota Vikings team has been uh, for the first um, 12, what's that? Um, for the first 12 weeks and then goes into Detroit, they fire the head coach the very next day. The very next day. If Mike Zimmer was doing had this schedule had been playing this way on any other team after that Detroit game he would be fired and that's what pisses me off the most about this um I think he's got to go I think Kubiak's got to go um and it's just it's tough because this offensive or this uh, coaching staff does not deserve our players um now a lot of people could say well Jack you know we were without a lot of key players you know Thielen didn't play we didn't have Cook um you know uh we had some guys out, you know, in Kendricks and Barr and things of that nature. And I don't care. Like, injuries aside, you still have to be, uh, you know, calling good plays. And there's not a team in the league that, if we're in our positions last week against Detroit, there's not a team in the league on that last play of the game that would have single-covered their two or three receivers and freaking brought the house. Like, no disrespect to Jared Goff. I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's set up for success in Detroit. Um, but you bring a bunch of pressure on anybody like that, and it's going to get to them and wear on them. And don't get me wrong, a what would that have been? Um, a 23-27 to 27 win over the Detroit Lions still would have been meh at best. But at least we'd be looking at being a 6-6 six and six team now, one step closer. Um it's just it's it's painful and it's tough. Um, I kind of had uh, someone ask um, who is going to be our next coach or who should we look at, and there's truthfully there's um, a lot of guys we should and could be looking at. One of the first ones that pops up to mind is Josh McDaniels. New England's offense offense has always been great. Um, he um he's had a lot of success of uh, regardless of who he's working with. You look at Mac Jones in this offense. You look at Bill. Uh, you look at um that um Ryan Finken. 
uh, is our special teams coordinator. I don't think that's a bad option. I think it's a very Minnesotan option to stick with somebody who's already here. Um, but I also look at guys like uh, Byron Leftwich. He's a Tampa Bay offensive coordinator. Um, I think what we have to do is I think our next head coach needs to be an offensive coach. So whether it's Josh McDaniels, Byron Leftwich, he's the OC for the Bucks. Um, Jeff Jeff Rogers, he's currently uh, the assistant head coach for the Cardinals, who have been balling this year. Um, Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator uh, Greg Roman would be an option. Um, I've heard the name Jonathan Gannon come up. He's a uh, Eagles defensive coordinator, but like I said, I think it should be an offensive guy. Doug Peterson wouldn't be a bad option. Um, I know a lot of people say you know he's not in the league right now, and you know it's for a reason. But he did find a lot of success from that twenty sixteen to twenty twenty uh, year. Um, and the last name I think would be awesome is Eric uh, Bieniemy. He's the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I know a lot of people would probably say, hey, you know, um, well, you know, they haven't been clicking that much. And I would make the argument their offense isn't what it is this year, not because of their offense, but it's because defenses are actually trying, have actually figured out how to um, combat that high flying offense. I, you know, I've watched, I haven't watched nearly as many Kansas City games as I have Vikings games, but one thing I will say is um, the, these defenses aren't letting um, Patrick Mahomes get comfortable, which is what he's done to get him to that point. Now he's, you know, he's got to become, you know, the next Brady or Manning, and he's got to overcome that adversity and, you know, just keep doing his thing, and they've definitely turned it around here as of late, so... Yeah, that's what I will say uh, for that. Now, too, uh, before we get too much into this uh, Steelers game, I thought we would uh, go through our picks this week. So um, the upset was pretty easy for me. Um, I'm taking the L.A. Rams, who are three-point underdogs at the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I think when you look back at the first matchup between these two teams, it seemed so out of the blue the way the Cardinals just dominated that game. Um, plus, this time... Um, Matthew Stafford's got OBJ. So I think the Rams uh, desperately need a spring, uh, a surprise. Uh, they defeated the Jaguars to break a three-game losing streak this last week. But the indifferent performances of Stafford uh, still kind of remain, remain a concern, even though I think he's got a lot of uh, great weapons. Um, as for the Cardinals, they looked good after getting Kyler back. Uh, they went into a tough test in Chicago, came out with, you know, a win, um, but this will be a tougher, a lot tougher of a test for Murray, especially if he's not 100%. Um, you add in the fact that this is pretty much a must-win nature in this game for the Rams. Um, just kind of gives me a feeling of an upset, so I got the Rams winning this one 28-24. Um, as for my lock, my lock was a little tougher um, because, just looking at some of these, because like I've said, I'm trying to do a better job of um, no repeats. So I actually went with um, the Saints, who are six-point uh, favorites uh, over the Jets. I think uh, it's tough, but I'm I'm going with it. I think trusting either of these teams is close to impossible. 
Um, I think last week the Jets looked like they were in a battle with the Eagles, and then it just fell away. Uh, as for the Saints, they have an injured Taysom Hill under center and could be uber-focused on their run game. Um, one way or another, I expect this to be a lo- very low-scoring affair in New York, but I do have the Saints coming out on top uh, 17 to 10. So that is what I have there. As for this um, Thursday night football game we have tomorrow night against the Steelers, I struggle, man. I really do. I think I had this as a win. Um, I think I had this as a win in my early season predictions, and I don't like going away from that. So I never want this Vikings team to lose, but I feel like a three-game losing streak in a critical part of the schedule um, just needs to happen. It needs to happen. We need to move on from Mike Zimmer. Um, We need new eyes in here. We need new play calling. I mean, we've seen glimpses of greatness from Kirk throwing to Jefferson, Kirk throwing to KJ Osborne, uh, Thielen, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And we need that team game in and game out. It's also tough, too, because like as a Vikings fan, you don't know what Vikings team you're going to get. Now, I know um, the Steelers are currently a little banged up. I think as of now, um, they got cornerback Joe Hayden, um, center B.J. Finney, and then they got, I think, Isaiah Bugs and a lot, another linebacker out. Um, but so... You know, taking you know taking advantage of the injuries and things of that um, should uh, should help this team, but you just like I said, you never know. Um, like I said, I I think it'll be another low, relatively low scoring game. We'll we'll figure out a way to win because we're Minnesota and we like our coaches and being complacent. Um, so I got us winning this game. I think it'll be uh, twenty eight. Uh, to 24. Um, I think we're going to rely heavily with Delvin Cook being out in this game, it sounds like, with his separated shoulder. I think um, I think we're going to rely a lot on our passing game. And my, excuse me, um, my predictions uh, for this team, I think... Offensively, I I wrote them down. Give me just one second here. So, uh, so offensively, I think I look at the receiving game. I think um, I think someone's gonna get their first touchdown this game. Um, I think either D.D. Westbrook or D.D. Westbrook. Um, Yeah, I got uh, I, I got D.D. Westbrook stepping up, and I think he's going to catch his first touchdown pass in this game in the absence of <clears throat> just or uh, Adam Thielen. I think Justin Jefferson's obviously going to be the number one target. Um, definitely, I think K.J. Osborne's going to step into that <coughs> second role, and K.J. Osborne's got some um, stuff to his name. He's got three TD catches this year, 412 yards. So I think he'll be looked at as second. And I think D.D. Westbrook will be that new K.J. Osborne with Adam Thielen out. And I think, I don't know, I just, I kind of got a feeling. Um, as for the defensive side of things, um, 
if there's one thing we do know about this team, it's that um, they do as well as Big Ben can do, and Big Ben needs to be in the pocket to thrive. He's he's not very mobile, um, and as he's gotten older, he's he shows he has shown signs that it's just harder and more difficult for him to maneuver and get out of there. So, um, hopefully, Zimmer is smart and he takes advantage of that and you know send some pressure and things of that nature uh, they obviously have great receivers in chase claypool um they got uh we'll see that they got claypool they got juju uh, so they got a lot of speed there so i think the name of this game for the defense is to um uh not not let ben get comfortable back there and um we should come away with a victory in this one so uh yeah those are my um, predictions, like I said, y- you never want your favorite team to ever lose a game, um, but I think this game, um, losing it would be the icing on the cake to get Zimmer the hell out of here. Um, I really do think we need to move on, and I just I think it's very, very, very damn Minnesotan for us to say, oh let's uh. Let's just let him, you know, finish the season out and see how he ends up doing. It's like, fuck no, excuse my language. It's like, no, we're not going to do that. Like, this is a business. Like, you want to win, you want to win championships. Like, I think our, our, um, our window is closing. We have Delvin Cook, we have Justin Jefferson, but Justin Jefferson, I think, sometimes thrives because Adam Thielen is a weapon. And Adam Thielen is, um, I mean, he's not super old, but professional athletes-wise, he's you know he's about um, my age. He's he's thirty-one years old, so I mean, he's probably got a solid you know two or three years um, of being an elite receiver before he kind of you know tapers off a little bit. But um, you know, I definitely, I definitely think we need to move on from Zimmer. It's time. Um, we need new eyes in on the offense. We need better play calling. Um, I mean, like I said, you look up and down this offense, we just have too much talent to be a 5-17, and 17, you know. Delvin Cook, Alexander Matheson, Kirk Cousins, again, statistically speaking, is a great quarterback. And then receivers, you know, Thielen, Jefferson, Osborne, we got Conklin, who's been, you know, a stud. Uh, and then even on the defense side of things, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith, Xavier Woods, Nick Vigil's turned out to be a stud. Daniel Hunter, one healthy uh, you know, Anthony Barr, um, Sheldon Richardson, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, you know, Patrick Peterson. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's, um, it's tough to watch this team continue to lose, um, and continue to play to the level of their opponents, but what are you going to do? So remember, uh, for you guys, this podcast is about you guys, the listeners. If you have a topic you want me to address or a question you want me to answer, please reach out on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or by emailing us. Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram handles are at miniweekend, and email is miniweekend at gmail.com. That's M-I-N-N-Y-W-E-E-K-E-N-D at gmail.com. And be sure to let us know if you'd like to stay anonymous with your questions as well. Also, find us and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter where there are giveaways. You can stay up to date on all things Mini Weekend. Lastly, make sure you hit that subscribe button to get notified of the new episode as soon as it comes out. Till next time, Mini.